And good morning again. Good to see everyone out this morning. Good to have you here with us. If you're visiting, I want to invite you to be back with us anytime that you can. Log in to Facebook or YouTube later on. Uh, we welcome you and invite you to come and be with us in worship. Uh, certainly want to invite everyone out for our Christmas Eve service next Sunday at 7 p.m. Would uh, really enjoy having you and your family with us. Before we get off to uh, Children's Church this morning, we have a, uh, a special uh, surprise with the with the bell choir. So any of those kids and adults that are participating in that, come on, come on up to the choir loft, and and we'll get prepared for Karen and Chris uh, to do that for us. So certainly look forward to that. Here comes a few bell ringers. Here comes some more bell ringers. All right. Come on now, bell ringer. While they're coming down, if you want to mark in your hymnals uh, 183, Wider Than Snow, we will use that as our hymn of invitation this morning. So I encourage you to mark that down. I'm waiting to see what kind of bales we've got left over here. Anybody wants to come grab a bell? Plenty of bells to ring. Didn't say plenty of people to ring them. I said we just had plenty of bells.
As we're coming off, let's see here. David and Angie and Miss Kimberly have children's search, so you kids are all candidates for that. Watch your step, stepping down right there. Got it? Be careful. One, here you go. All right. Great job. Let's give a little round of applause for great job. certainly as I said earlier it is good to be here hopefully uh, you, you folks enjoyed that folks on YouTube and Facebook enjoyed that uh, bell choir of the kids uh, and some of us bigger kids we enjoy doing that and uh, I hope it sounded as pretty uh, out there as it did uh, in amongst the bales uh, certainly uh, and it's that time of the season and as you know we've been looking for the past couple of weeks about Christmas and, and here we are just a week away from celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ seems like to me only just a, a week or just yesterday we were eating our Thanksgiving dinners and, and making preparations for those and now we're well the menus are being prepared for the Christmas dinners next week just a little over a week well a week and a day and how quickly time moves on and how important it is that we realize and, and I know that, that we know that time time goes by quickly but how important it is that we use our time valuably uh, that the Lord blesses us with with this study that we've had we've seen that Jesus came as Savior came to bring light to the Gentiles hope and salvation to all that would believe and and confess his name as Savior last week Ernie did a great job and I appreciate him filling in uh, talking about Simeon and Anna was, was part of that sermon and about how they were looking for Christ and the blessings that they received by having seen the Christ child and in many ways we should mirror those things as well we should be looking for Christ not coming as a baby but for coming as Savior the second time that he comes. Well, today I want to look as we continue looking at Christmas themed sermons. I want to talk about the true spirit of Christmas. If you would turn with me into the Gospel of Luke, and that's where most of this sermon is going to come from, the first two chapters, of course, of the Christmas story there, the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to start with Luke chapter 1, verse 41 through 43. And 
This is where Mary visits Elizabeth. And in verse 41 it says, And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice say, and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So upon hearing just the voice of Mary, the voice of that one person that was carrying Christ the Savior, Elizabeth's baby, as we know, who would be the forerunner of Christ, John the Baptist, leapt in her womb for the joy of just hearing the voice of the mother. That's really something for us to contemplate on. Not lifting up Mary, but lifting up the fact of who Mary bore. And the significance of that child, not only to that particular time, but to all time, including today. We see that happening there. If you look on over in verse 67, 8 and 9, we will see here. Zechariah's prophecy and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied saying blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he hath visited us visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David and that horn of salvation unto the unto the Jew unto the Israel the house of Israel is the same horn of salvation which we have and enjoy that today. That same Savior that was lifted up in the house of David is the Savior that we call upon for salvation in the same way. So in this prophecy, this is kind of Zechariah's beginning of his prophecy, and I encourage you to read on what he says about Jesus. But notice Elizabeth and Zechariah both share a common spirit and that is the true spirit of Christmas. The program that we just saw. The true spirit of Christmas we see there. The kids and the adults as, as we rang those bells and made music with those, a joyful noise unto the Lord. That encompassed the true spirit of Christmas as well. Looking on over in Luke, the Gospel of Luke uh, 2 verse 13. We see another example of the true spirit of Christmas. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Take note of what the host of angels are doing. Glorifying and praising God. Looking at verse 20. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. What were the shepherds doing? Glorifying and praising God. 
What was Elizabeth doing? Glorified, praising God. What Zechariah doing is prophecy. Glorified, praising God. Do we see the pattern? Do we see the true spirit of Christmas throughout this story? Simeon and Anna, who Ernie mentioned last week, verse 25 through 32. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Let now, Lord, now lettest thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. See that? He blessed God. He held Jesus in his hands because he had been promised that he wouldn't die until he had seen the Christ. Not only did he get to see the Christ, he got to hold the Christ. He held the Savior of the world in his hands. And he blessed God. And he blessed God because of what that Christ child would do. He would, he would open up and bring light to the Gentiles. And he would be the fulfillment of the promises of the nation Israel that they had all awaited for for so long. And he blessed God. There's a pattern. Angels, the shepherds, Simeon, Anna. What Zechariah's prophecy. Do we see what it is? Do we see what the true spirit of Christmas is? Turn with me back to Luke chapter 1. Verses 46 through 56. The Magnificat. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and rich and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. The true spirit of Christmas there is revealed. The true spirit of Christmas is worship. It's that simple. It's worship. And all the things that we do at church, teaching the children lessons as they do each 
each week in Sunday school and each week in children's church and, and those things are themed and taught uh, to teach our children about this glorious birth, the ringing of the bells, the singing of the songs, the, the, the Christmas Eve service that we have, all of the extra, all of the special things that we don't do throughout the course of a normal year are warranted as worship to God for his great gift to us. And I encourage each of us, as we all have our own traditions that we, we do, uh, we all have those patterns that we have set throughout generations that we go here and there, and, and we do this for Christmas, and we do that for Christmas, and it's a tradition to do for Christmas, and those are fine. Enjoy your family traditions. Continue those. Enjoy those making of memories that will last our children and ourselves a lifetime. But let us not forget to worship. In whatever that family tradition is, whatever that family function is that we do, no matter where we are, let us for sure worship. We see that's what Mary did here as she's visiting with Elizabeth. Elizabeth has acknowledged that she is the mother of her Lord. The baby has leapt in Elizabeth's womb. Mary realizes the, the magnitude of what is going on in her life. And that's what I want to look at for us to kind of model our worship of the, of the Son, the Savior, God the Son, God our Savior, this time of year. In verse 46, we see that it comes in the first part. It comes from what's inside. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Not my hands, not my mouth, not my eyes, not my outward external functions. My soul, what is deep within inside of me, lifts up, magnifies God. And that's the feeling that we should have. When we think about this time of year, when we think about the great love that God has for us, that he would send his son as our savior, it should be from inside, welling up, uh, unable to contain, if you will. Mega kino from the Greek, uh, as it comes welling up, the expression that comes out externally because there is so much inside. And that's what we see. My soul doth magnify or exalt, maybe some of your translations says. My soul exalts the Lord to be so filled with love and gratitude to God that it is inside and it has to find a path out. And that's what we see Mary doing here. It's not something that can really be defined or explained. It has to be experienced on a personal level. And, and I'm not saying there's a right or a wrong, a, a certain level, a, a max, a minimum uh, required, because it's that personal. It will be different for each of us in this room. And we will all feel something different than the other person. But in the course of that, it will all be lifting up, exalting, magnifying the Lord. 
from within. God is a spirit. And he says that we are to worship in spirit and in truth. And that spirit should dwell with inside of us. It's intense. Intense. Magnify the Lord. Magnify. Mega kino from Greek. Bigger than normal. Building. Overjoy. Joy unspeakable. We sing that song, right? Joy unspeakable and full of glory. It continues to build and build and build. As we think about the great love, it has to come out. Some shout, some cry, some just simply remain silent in awe of God. All of those are right. There is no wrong way to worship God when it comes from within. There is no wrong way to magnify God when we are doing it with all that is within us and we allow that to build and build and build and come out into an intense worship. My soul doth magnify the Lord, she says. That's not saying that she is being exalted. She is exalting God. My soul doth magnify the Lord. And it's joyful. Verse 47, my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Her spirit, that's from within inside, isn't it? And that's the effect that God has on us, joy. Joy injected into our souls. Joy injected into our spirits. Now we have joy, rightfully so, with gathering of families the functions that we have. But those are external joy. Internally, joy injected into our souls because we know that a Savior is born. That hope has come to those of us who was without hope prior to Christ, the Gentile. That there is hope for this world, that there is hope for each and every individual in this world. That is the joy that's why we can be joyful this time of year. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus teaches about our joy and how it should be great joy, the kind of joy that you just can't contain, joy that affects every action and every word a person says or does. The joy of knowing that regardless of the circumstance, regardless of of the external surroundings, God is in control. And we see that mirrored all throughout the story of Jesus, his birth, his life, his trial, his arrest, his resurrection after his crucifixion. God was in control of all of those aspects, and God is in control of all of the aspects of those who will follow after him, who allow the Holy Spirit to lead them. God is in control. That brings us joy. And finally, notice something else, that it is humble. 48, for he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations will call me blessed. That was not a statement of arrogance. 
That's not a statement of arrogance on Mary's part. It's just saying that she is so blessed that God has given her such a great gift that this humble, lowly little handmaid, who, if we remember, was under scrutiny right on the verge of divorce because Joseph thought that she had committed adultery. People are going to call me blessed. Can you believe that? And I don't deserve any of this, but people are going to look at me and, and say, man, she was blessed. And she was because she was the chosen vessel to bring the, the Savior of the world into the world. But that's not arrogance. That's just humble acknowledgement of God's blessing in her life. How often do we do that? How often do we have humble acknowledgement of God's blessings in our own life? We should. We should reflect on those things. Just as, and that's what Mary's doing here. She's reflecting on those things. As she, as she makes these pronouncements, it's reflection. It's a humbling, joyful worship that she is speaking here. I'm not worthy of the blessings of God, but he gives them to me anyway. And I'm the same way. I'm not worthy of the blessings that I've received. But yet God loves me enough that he gives me his blessings. He pours out his blessings on us. We're not worthy of them. It's because he loves us. The light that shone now fills that world, same world we live in today. And here's the thing about it. And especially in the world that we live in today, possibly the only light of Jesus, the only light of humble gratitude for God's blessings is going to be from us, from Christians. And how do we shine that light when we're out in the world? It's easy to shine inside the, the living room or the kitchen or, or family room, wherever you hold your Christmas. That's easy, isn't it? Because you're around all of your family. You're full of joy and happiness because you have your kids, your grandkids, your family, your aunts, uncles, moms, dads, whomever gathered around you where we expect to feel joy because of the love and the warmth that's in the room, but what about when we're out in a cold, dark space and it's cold and dark out there now? I don't mean physically by light, I mean by people's souls. It's a dark place for many, many people. How are we ex examining or ex extending that light, that joy, that act of worship, which is the true spirit of Christmas. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to go have a wonderful Christmas. I want you to enjoy your time with your family. I want you to do all of the things that makes this time of year so special as family time. But let us first and foremost make it about worship. Because if we remember as we close, the wise men came Luke 2, or Matthew 2, 2 rather. For we have come to worship him. They came to worship him. And let us take that same attitude on. Let us come before him to worship him. To worship God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, I want to extend that, that invitation to you. It's why he came. 
It's why he is worthy of worship. To have heard and believed. Be willing to confess him as our Savior and repent of our sins. To be buried with him in the likeness of his death. Reborn that new creation. Walking faithful serving with joy. Worshiping with joy and gratitude until Christ returns or until we're called away in death. Now maybe you've already taken those steps and you realize, you know what? I have left worship out of Christmas. I just encourage you to put it back. Just put it back. You've got the opportunity. You're in control of those things. Do that. Worship. Have that humble gratitude that Mary displayed. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation this morning, Wider Than Snow, 138. We're going to sing the first and third verse of this hymn. And if you have a decision to make, whether it be for the first time or to rededicate yourself or, or for something else, if you need to support the brothers and sisters in Christ, if you're burdened with something that you need to share, this is invitation time is for you. If you have a decision, I'm going to encourage you to come as we stand and sing 138, Wider Than Snow, the first and the third verse. Thank you. 